and know it, uh, and and know yourself as a community. So greet yourself, greet who you used to be, and greet who you will become. Today we encounter ourselves. In particular, today we notice what we carry with, with us from the past, the feelings and needs that are within us because of what happened in the previous year or years. We notice the joys and the concerns from past years that we carry into the present moment. This is part one of a four-part series called Enter, Rejoice, and Come In. The series will help us to be together fully, joyfully, not by denying conflicts and challenges, but by holding them in love. Today, we explore four types of ministers and the feelings and needs that they can leave behind. You might wonder if I've chosen these four types of ministers based on the last few ministers at UUCCWC, but actually these four types come from an article on interim ministry by Robert Latham. And his article is called Special Care Congregations. In the article, he talks about the different types of care a congregation needs after different types of ministers. And if you are new to the congregation uh, and don't know many of the past ministers, you might reflect on people you have known in your life who remind you of each type. So let's dive in and start with the first type of minister, the beloved minister. The beloved minister was a joy to have in the church. Perhaps you found their sermons to be intelligent, insightful, both challenging and nurturing, both honest and graceful. Perhaps you found services to be creative, immersive experiences. Perhaps this minister brought people together to break bread, make music, share stories, share life. Hold on, I'm having a computer error. Let's just take a moment to get back. Perhaps this beloved minister helped to expand who belonged in the congregation. And perhaps this beloved minister inspired the congregation to organize in the larger community to provide vital services to those in need while bringing people on board for social change. And perhaps through it all, this beloved minister tended to your inner world, providing a pastoral care that made you feel grounded, connected, hopeful, and renewed. Perhaps as I've described the epitome of beloved ministry, you've thought of several past ministers, each with their own strengths, gifts, and areas of interest. So let's just take it all in and bathe in it. Let's marinate in the beloved ministry that you've experienced, whether here or elsewhere. And in fact, let's expand what we're holding and think of times, any time in your life was life, when time in your life when life was good, when you felt strong and whole in yourself, connected to others, open-hearted, open-spirited, making a difference in your community and in other people's lives. 
Think of times in your life when life was beautiful music that danced in the air. And I wonder if now we could actually put in chat some of your favorite memories from this congregation. So think of times that felt full of love or meaning. They might be memories of special events, or they might be moments when the sacred was found in the ordinary. You might need a full sentence or more to describe a church memory, or you might just put in chat a descriptive word and only you will know what it refers to. So let's celebrate the history of UUCCWC by putting our favorite memories in the chat. Beautiful to see. Burning the mortgage. Huh. Heard of it, the Mr. Rogers sermon. So much music. Yeah, warm welcome. The meaningfulness of teaching our whole lives. Humanist group coming together in support. Yeah, kids. Pride. I sense a pattern of Pat and Duane being welcoming. This is beautiful. Let's keep this going a little bit more. <laughs> Yeah, pagan, pagan activities. Warm, warm greetings. Pastoral care. Thank you so much. You're welcome to keep these coming and I'm going to keep going. So it can feel so good to look back on our good memories. It's so much gratitude for the life that we shared. We, when we think particularly of ministers, so much gratitude for the gifts that they brought and the memories that they helped create. Looking back can feel warm grounding, connecting, remembering what it was like to trust, open and engage. And then to lose that feeling can feel 
well, we can feel a real sense of loss. And there can be not just sadness, but even resentment when things go in a different direction. Any new changes can make you want to put the brakes on and say, hold on, this isn't the way things used to be. Cherish my memories. We don't want to eat plain hummus at church picnics. We should eat garlicky hummus like in the old days. That's just a made up example. You know best what you miss, whether in this church or in other parts of your life. And you know best what fears come up when things change. So you might wonder, what are you defensive about? You might wonder what you hold on to in fear of losing it and what you crave to get back. Um, you, might, you might be aware of new things that you have resented that seem to disrespect the church's history. So my role in all of this has, and I love that things are still coming, that's fabulous. My role in all of this has two parts. The first part is to honor our losses like we are doing today. And we'll do more of on October 31st in that service actually. Our losses are real. We honor them together. And the second part of my role is to help us to discern who we want to be today, to help us to become who we are called to be today. Not turning the clock back, not trying to recreate the past, but helping what we love to re be reborn in a new way. The seeds we sow today will be shaped by our memories, yes. The seeds we sow today will honor our memories, yes. But the seeds we sow today will not be those memories. The seeds we sow today will be new seeds, new vision, new ways to live our principles. I wonder if you know an essay by 19th century Unitarian minister, Theodore Parker. The essay is called The Transient and the Permanent. To me, what is permanent is our principles that we strive to understand, articulate, and live by. What is permanent is our love. And what is transient is how our love shows up and how our principles show up. Sometimes our love shows up in freshly made soup for us all to share, along with the smell of fr fresh bread. Sometimes our love shows up in small groups when almost everyone in the church is in a small group. So how will our love and our principles show up this year and into the future? We will co-create that together. The second type of minister is what I will call the, the blah minister. Robert Latham uses the word benumbed. Not a lot happens with the blah minister. And of course, nobody is blah in every way, but there were aspects of church life that felt blah. Perhaps Sunday services didn't open your heart and your mind in quite the same way. Perhaps the hummus didn't have quite the flavor you were looking for. The initiatives for social change didn't have quite the same sizzle. Perhaps you felt like this community wasn't at the forefront and you put your energies elsewhere. So let's take a moment to honor the part of ourselves that feels dormant, unvital, comfortably numb.
isn't about shaming or pointing fingers, so I won't invite specifics in chat, but let's just not notice for ourselves what feels blah. And there are two common reactions to a period of blah. One reaction is to be raring to go. We are well rested and have energy to burn. Let's shake the dust off, limber up, and engage 110% with our mission. There can be a feeling of new life, new hope. We sing of the glory days ahead. And the other common reaction is to notice the new life and say, wait, what's this? Something is happening. I'm not used to something happening. We're not used to change, which means we're not used to having the heartfelt and challenging conversations that go along with change. Factions can form because the church isn't used to doing things together. Following a blah ministry, there is work to do to reawaken the slumbering creature. And there is work to do to get it functioning as one body. My work in all of this is to encourage us all as individuals and as groups, teams, committees, to try new things, experiment, take chances. Interim ministry is a great time to try something new. And I will also open up conversations about how to live our principles because we not, might not be used to having those conversations together. And when we don't get along, I will encourage having opening, open, challenging, vulnerable conversations because we might not be used to having those conversations. And your role following Blah Ministry is to meet life with gusto and to meet each other with both openness and curiosity. So those are two types of ministers, a beloved minister and a Blah minister. A third type of minister is a dominant minister. And Robert Latham has a confusing name for this, which I will not share. The dominant minister is someone who has been there long enough that their way has become the way. This could be because they are controlling or it could simply be because they are well respected. When a dominant minister leaves, their patterns stay behind. Committees might do things in a particular way simply because that's how they've always been done. Similarly with Sunday services, there might be service elements that people have become accustomed to, but that aren't actually meaningful to the people still here. There can be a feeling of solidity, but not vitality. In an interim ministry, our role is to shake things up you might notice, for example, at the start of services that our welcome verse will change from week to week. Worship associates now have options to choose from or they can provide their own welcome verse. We're going to get the energy moving to find out what is meaningful and alive. I've also asked all committees and teams to answer some questions to reflect on their patterns of what they want to continue and what they want to change. And the fourth type of ministry is conflicted ministry. This can be the hardest. 
This might be because of the minister's style, and it might be because the minister raises challenging topics. In conflicted ministry, there is a lot of hostility, sometimes open, sometimes under the surface. There might be anger coursing through the blood of the congregation. Distrust can be high. Flare-ups might be because of fundamental disagreements or bad behavior, but they might also be because of simple, under, simple misunderstandings erupt into something more. During conflicted ministry, there can be simple misunder, there can be polarization and pressure to take sides. Things can feel more political. Wounds open and hurts are exposed. I've heard it, I heard it described that some of you feel like you're walking on eggshells with the fear that if you say something wrong, someone might not come back. So after conflicted ministry, you might feel tender, you might feel tired, hurt, confused about where you belong. You might still feel polarized and want your side to win. My role after a conflicted ministry is to help us to see what we all have in common, our principles, our vision, our desire to do church. I help us to be together, to breathe together, to vision together, to put away those eggshells. Your role includes healing, tending to your hurts and allowing others to tend to you. Your role includes listening to each other with compassion and love to discover what we each need to open our hearts and be together. And your role includes getting to the heart of this church and dreaming together about who we want to become. So those are four types of ministry, the feelings they often leave and what we need to move forward. After beloved ministry, we need to celebrate, celebrate the past and also let go. After blah ministry, we need to reawaken and get used to doing church again. After dominant ministry, we need to reconsider our patterns. And after conflicted ministry, we need to heal and listen. And if there are other types of ministry in our story that still feel alive for you, I'd love to hear about them. We want to connect so much, like in Christine's story, about the grandfather and grandson. And there can be conflict and misunderstandings like between the grandfather and grandson. What gives me hope is that listening to you over the last month, I have heard so much love for this church. You love each other, even when things are challenging. What gives me hope is that we are grounded in our principles, just like the board committed to today in their installation. We are a courageous, committed, open-minded, compassionate bunch, always learning, always teaching, always growing, and doing it all to the soundtrack of love.
After the offering, we're going to sing as our closing hymn, Enter, Rejoice, and Come In. Yes, as the closing song, because as we close our service, we enter rejoicing into interim ministry. As we enter, we bring our history full of wonderful memories, and we also bring feelings about some of the challenges. We can hold all of our feelings together. How do you feel when there is room for your feelings? How do you feel when your feelings are welcome? It is not always going to be easy for our feelings to dance together, but with courage and commitment, perhaps with some caution, but most of all with love, we enter into this work together.